beyond fashion and you want to look outside the bubble of just product and you want to talk about sustainability, you have to now consider the human effort and the human cost of it. We've been doing this constant shows for about 14 years, 13, 14 years, never to miss a beat. So it kind of, personally, it was like, is this a failure? Is this a misstep? Will people forget us if we unhitch from the, the wagon, the bandwagon? My fear is when you overcreate sustainable products, then it just erases the whole idea of being sustainable. Welcome back to Vanessa Wants to Know, Season 2, Episode Number 1, featuring my dear friend, Philip Lim. All right, so it's Fashion Week here in New York City. It's literally one of the busiest times of year for all of us working in fashion, especially, especially for designers who have big fashion brands. Normally, my guest, Philip, would be in the thick of it. Casting, production, runway, all of that stuff. But this year is very different because Philip is opting out of a runway show in lieu of what he calls a studio day. In his own words, he says, I want to host a house party where the full collection will be on view just as it would on the runway, except this time there's no front row, there's no RSVP, there's no list. Anybody can walk in to the store on Great Jones Street where he's hosting this house party in New York City from 1 to 8 p.m. Now, this is a big move, right? Because most designers... This is what they work towards, right? They work towards a time slot on the Fashion Week calendar. So after 13, 14-ish years, why do something so drastically different? And Philip told me, essentially, he needed to align his business with what he believes in. And that is a more sustainable and mindful way to be and make fashion. I've known Philip for a few years now, and I have seen his journey towards turning his business into a more sustainable model, into a more mindful model. And this move of his, you know, to to be like, you know what, I, I don't think I want to do a show this year is so brave. And really, I hope something more designers will consider for the future. Can you tell how excited I am? I'm so excited to share this episode with all of you. So sit back, enjoy Make sure you absorb this conversation because there's so much good stuff here. So here is my great, beautiful conversation with my friend, Philip Lim. I feel really lucky to catch you in this moment right now because this episode will air right before the day that you were supposed to have Mm. your runway show. I don't know how much Bianca may have told you about this season, but this season we are dedicating it to how we're going to save the planet. Mm. You know, if we can even save the planet, a lot of us have been thinking about sustainability, environmentalism, more mindfulness in fashion for a while now. And I think a lot of these words, like a lot of things like inclusivity, diversity have been co-opted, right? Mm -hmm by the fashion industry. And it's like, are we actually implementing Mm -hmm. what we say? Mm -hmm. So what you're doing this year 
instead of a traditional fashion show is very interesting. And I think it's kind of, you know, hand in hand with so much of the process of your company, right? In this last year where you've been sharing the journey towards a more sustainable way Mm -hmm. of doing business, but not only business, but a more sustainable way of treating the employees Mm -hmm. of Philip Lim. Yeah. It's kind of related to what we were talking about before we got on this, uh, put our um, headphones on, but the idea of like media training and kind of the expectations to run a business or conduct yourself in a certain way, it's very exhausting. It's very exhausting because that particular way only shows one side. With anything, you know, I always look for, try to achieve balance in everything, find the center. And the center is a messy place. The center is a messy place that if somehow we can master and be okay and befriend it, then I feel like whatever paths we take, steps forward, it will be okay. And I think that what you're speaking about, about not doing a conventional show this season for this February Fashion Week, I'm still processing it. But I trusted that everything happens for a reason. It was a decision not planned out but you can avoid writings on the wall. You know, it's in the air. It's very thick in the air. Yeah, it's very thick Everywhere. in the air. And to actually like be vulnerable and share it and be able to speak with you on it and sharing it with all your, your listeners, hopefully the goal is um, that it's okay. That's okay to speak about that messy middle because um, if we want to be vulnerable, if we want to in- be inclusive, if we want to think about sustainability in more of a journey and not a product, then we have to share the messy middle. I think you you nailed it right there. I think, you know, I get this question very often now when I do interviews, when I'm on kind of the other side of the mic, you know, people are like, oh, do you do you think we can solve fashion with sustainability? Do you think we can solve it? by making more environmentally sound products and whatnot. Mm. And I think what we're missing is the human component, Mm. is the fact that it's a whole system. Mm. You know, you can't just, I always tell people, you can't fix a problem of too much stuff Mm. by making more stuff. stuff. It's interesting that you say that too, because um, I just did that interview in WWD, which came out today, and it was not planned little backtracking and Bridget Foley, the legendary journalist, um, reached out to me to ask if I could participate in the next WWD forum, which happens to take place like a couple of days before the show. And she's like, you know, this is a long shot, but I really appreciate it if you could make time. And normally I'd be in the thick of just prepping the show and it kind of be blackout calendar situation. And I was like, you know, I replied to her, I'm like, I'd be more than happy to this season. I have time because we're foregoing our show this season just to recalibrate and take a breath, you know? And she's like, what do you mean? And uh, she's like, let's speak about this, you know, let's share it, blah, blah, blah. I was very hesitant, but I'm like, you know what? This is my truth and this is my journey. And this is like, instead of trying to feel shame or trying to feel embarrassed or trying to feel like, Oh, people think we're gonna, we're failures and whatnot and all the things that come naturally with just insecurities. You know what I mean? And also when you start like stepping out of the paradigm. Yeah. Fashion is all about bandwagoners, yeah. but it's always like that first person that like starts a new trend. Yeah. That, that it's the scariest thing, yeah. you know, because fashion people as independent as a lot of them feel that they are, 
it's like, you know, they, they don't jump on something no. until 500 yeah. other people are doing it. Yeah, it's like unhitching the wagon, the, a singular wagon that's attached to the band usually. It is a space where if you can get there and if you can be okay with it, it it's quite powerful. So the reason why we are not doing a show this season is not in a particular one reason. And it comes back to your comment about sustainability and products. When people speak about sustainability, we always refer to it as a product, an end goal, you know, like how can you make a product that's more green, that's less harmful, recycled, that's less impact, but it's still speaking about product and more product as we, you just said, you know, what people don't equate it to is human sustainability as well. So when I think about sustainability, I call it three, one sustainable balance. It's product, environment, and human capital. In the process of making up a show, making a show is quite intense. It's it, not just quite intense. No, yeah. Like we all know yeah. for the people who may not have worked for a fashion house before or don't have friends that are in the thick of it, can you describe and be honest yeah. with the the amount of stress, the yeah. lack of sleep, the yeah. lack of the spiritual drain yeah. that it takes on you, on your team, on models, like everything. What you see in the eight minutes of silence is literally hundreds of hours of preparation and at the last minute. We do the impossible every season. And, and you know, I say that because it's true. People are like, oh, it's just fashion, you know, and don't worry about it. But at the end of the day, what the audience is able to receive and, and enjoy comes off as quite effortless, but quite the contrary of how you got there. And it requires um, literally doing the impossible. When I have meetings with my teams to start prepping the collection or what we have to get done, you could see like faces go white, you know what I mean? Because it's impossible, not only for you to convince yourself, but you have to convince a whole village that you can do this, you know what I mean? And that's just speaking from just one example of, say, our fashion show. When we go into fashion show season, it's not even just the normal like collection anymore. It's like a hyper collection. It's a hyper collection to show aspiration. But at the same time, a, a brand like ours, which is independently owned and financed, we still have to do business. It's quite different from a bigger brands where they have show collections. It's really about a brand marketing exercise. We actually have to live and die by every single dress, every single trouser, every single pair of shoes, bag that we propose. It has to be realistic, but at the same time, worth the audience's time. Yeah, I read that Women's Wear Daily article, and I think somewhere in it you said that we don't make show clothes for real people. Yeah. We make real. real clothes for people to show in. Yes. So by even having that statement, you know, for us, it's even like pushing ourselves to even push that show more. A lot of creativity, a lot of resources drained, lots of really bad decisions because you're pushed to the edge. When I say pushed to the edge, my team, they don't get the time off to see their loved ones when everyone else is kicking it by the fireplace or like, you know what I mean? Like traveling home and whatnot. It's like, you got a couple of days, get back. We got to do it. It's almost like I always used to joke around, like we're actually um, gestures where we 
when people go away and have vacation, we are the elves that have to like prepare for the entertainment when everyone comes back. You know, and this is, this is the life, right? We choose it. I'm not complaining about it. But at one point it becomes very taxing in a way where if you move beyond fashion and you want to look outside the bubble of just product and you want to talk about sustainability, you have to now consider the human effort and the human cost of it. I really like your way of seeing it and, and considering that it's a three-pronged issue, mm. right? When you talk about sustainability, that there's a huge human aspect mm. of it as well. And I think that just illustrates the short-sightedness, mm. unfortunately, that a lot of these even sustainable bodies have mm. when they talk about environmentalism is that it's just one isolated thing. Yeah. It's not just product. Yeah. It's not just making something that is biodegradable. I mean, sustainability is just about resources in general. I mean, this is like, yeah, sustainability has like a huge umbrella. It's mm -hmm. not just the materials that you use to make the clothes. It's the people and it's money. And I think I read that a show can cost upwards of 500,000 yep. US Easy. dollars for eight minutes. Yeah, easy. And, you know, I have been a guest at shows before and it just happens so fast. Mm. You know, sometimes you don't get to see the clothes as much as you like. Everyone is just really stressed out. Everyone's stressed out and no one's really present because it's quick to the next thing. You know what I mean? Like we, I used to plan a show and it was like 10 or 11 minutes. I would get messages from editors and PR companies like, that's too long. We, we got to go. I know you're super busy and super important, but spare me another minute. Sarcastically, but you know, it, it comes to that. And this is the system. It's such a defeatist attitude. And for creators, you know, we work so hard and we bring our ideas to the table. And it's like eight to nine minutes of just silence of, presenting the collection in the way that we imagined it without it being picked apart or criticized to death, you know? And it's really important to have a show still. But for me, for us, it's really like, how do we get there in a more humane way? Right. How do we get there in a more sustainable way? And at the end of the day, it takes time. Because if you have time, you're smarter with your resources. You can think more executively and not take primal actions that really could be detrimental because it's do or die situations constantly. And going back to just preparing everything too, we made this decision right before Christmas. It was very, very difficult because everyone has a different purpose. And you know, what's beautiful about preparing for the show, there's an adrenaline that is in the air with the teams that, you know, you become superheroes. You can do anything because you have, you're, you have to pull off the impossible. So right away you go into it like just like a, this adrenaline filled army. In the course of it, I could see more and more because we're switching over from fashion as our main goal as a company to a bigger message of using fashion as a platform. Things are becoming contradictory to each other. And I couldn't deny it. I, I just can't deny it anymore. I could be like, yes, that is a fierce skirt or I'm going to go for the, um, that cut at all costs. But at the same time, when I see parts of my team, like when I can see the expression in their faces where it's like, <sighs> like this, because I know that they're going to have to cancel their plans or they're going to be absent when everyone is together celebrating, it hurts. It hurts in a way that, I realize 
what a parent must go through, you know, when they have to make difficult decisions. And prior to that, we've never really shut the company down for long periods of time because you couldn't. You just couldn't. You'd have to come back and different people take different shifts. And so I think um, at that moment, it was a, one of the most hard decisions because of also ego. And we've been doing this constant shows for about 14 years, 13, 14 years, never to miss a beat. So it kind of personally, it was like, is this a failure? Is this a misstep? Will people forget us? If we unhitch from the, the wagon, the bandwagon, does it mean we aren't in fashion anymore? But looking at my team, I'm just like, I can't. I cannot worry about that. I cannot really worry about that. I must honor my people because they are a huge, huge part of the idea of trying to find a sustainable balance. When I was reading the article, I was just kind of reminded of the first time I met you in India and then like the conversation we had mm-hmm. from season one, how all of these things were already percolating, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where you were like, we're really in a transition right now at Philip Lim. Mm-hmm. And I just even felt like on your Instagram stories and on your feed, you were just sharing so much more. Mm -hmm. You know, you were being very transparent politically, Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. transparent about your feelings of sustainability, Mm -hmm. environmentalism, socioeconomic issues, Mm -hmm. you know, working in fashion, right, which is very elitist in a world that is going through a lot. I mean, I often have that same dilemma, you know, where I'm like, I believe, you know, in my private life, I try to live as sustainably and environmentally as possible, you know, but I still get on a ton of planes Mm -hmm. to go to places sometimes just Mm -hmm. for two days because, you know, my agency flies me out there for work. You know, I still do those things that I know are not that great. And I'm like trying to really transition my lifestyle Mm -hmm. and how I wear clothes, you know, even from how I shop Mm -hmm. to a more sustainable and mindful Mm -hmm. place. And I... I imagine for a company that's run, been run traditionally for 10 plus years on a very traditional fashion model, right? And then to start transitioning over to be like, well, we want to use more sustainable vendors now. Yeah. We want to, you know, maybe cut back on the SKUs that we have. We want to be more mindful yeah. about our whole production process and, you know, how we treat our staff. I mean, that process, when did it start and how hard has it been? Because I think that will really illustrate to people that you can't just snap your fingers and be like, oh, well, why aren't you doing sustainable stuff, Philip Lim? Like, you know, H&M is doing it, so why can't you do it? And I think this will show people first, like, when did you make that decision? And two, explain to us how hard it is. Yeah. The thing is, there is no one particular moment I always say, you know, you have to be present and you have to have the courage to listen to yourself. You have to figure out a way to shut the noise. You have to figure out a way to come to peace with even trying to navigate. Like, for example, you, I've come to know you know you personally. And sure, you're in the business of fashion and you have to do these things because your agent sends you work and I don't ever think you should feel guilty about that because in your personal life, I know how you diligently prescribe and try to live a more mindful life. 
mindful life to take care of yourself, but also just what you consume. This is what you make. I love watching you because I feel healthy just just watching Thanks. you and, and just watching all your stories and you know what you share on the gram. And I think for everyone listening too, if you want to be part of an army that champions and, and marches for change, you have to be healthy. And when I say that, not only do you have to be healthy in mind, you have to be healthy in body, but you also have to be healthy in spirit. Meaning like, don't shit on yourself. You're trying. And the more we share these kind of conversations, the more we share our journeys, the more we you know, speak up about change, it will eventually get there. But you cannot lay down and die and feel like a contradiction because, you know, you're just living life and life is a contradiction. Everything you do, there's no black and white or, or real true answer. It's gray. Everything's gray. But you've got to get back up. You know, you've got to like do the best that you can in what you've been chosen or what you've been given to do. But on the flip side of that, you've got to balance it out in trying to live and figure out how to maneuver in a way where the end goal is whatever you do, you bring it to a place where you can live with that. Mm-hmm. And it's good for you. Everyone has a different journey. Everyone has a different context that, that we can all allow each other to exist and figure out what our path is to find that what is sustainable to us. And we, as we pitch into the larger um, picture and the larger messaging, you know, I, I urge you and I, I always say to anyone who feels conflicted, don't worry about it. Even having this conversation that you feel conflicted is the path forward. The worst thing is to not speak about it because you feel conflicted. Mm-hmm. Nothing's perfect. The idea of the word sustainable, it is just that. Try to find your path that is sustainable. Try to find a way to live that is sustainable. Try to make or do what you do professionally that is able to sustain your happiness. I promise it will. this energy will all add up to a better space. So this is advice for the individual. How about for a company like yeah, yours, yeah, you know, who yeah. that's functioned on a traditional fashion sure. model for so long and now you're journeying yeah. into unknown territory. Yeah. Scary. So Scary. What, what has that been like? Well, it starts with you. It starts with you not, not being able to deny your true self anymore. And if you're in a position of influence or a position where, you know, you can create small change and make it happen because this is what you truly desire, that's how it all starts. I'm fortunate in the position that I'm like a lead to a company that whether they believe fully my beliefs, it's not my concern. My concern is if I can tell my truth, if I can share my truth. And for me, it's about converting the most amazing thing is my tribe, I call them my tribe. Once I start to push this out more into the public, just like my desires, my, my learnings, my, uh, the things that uh, excite me, people within the organization, they're like, yeah, I believe that too. You know, it's almost like sometimes it takes an instigator. Sometimes it takes triggers that are around you. In my position, you know, I have to lead that. You know, I have to lead and I also have to learn. I have to learn along the way that it's never just my way, you know? I have to learn back and forth this whole journey. And the way you start it is you are honest in your value system and what you believe. And you think about the ways you can convert in the process of what you do. For example, I make clothes. 
I make shoes, I make bags. It starts with the idea of what I want to make, but at the same time, it requires materials to make it come to a tangible product. So for me, it's really like starting with the materials of, okay, how can I choose a more natural way? How can I choose a more regenerative way? How can I use recycled ways? How can I lessen the impact of how I start? And then from there, it kicks the ball rolling. Okay, the way we make this, are we considering how we're making this? Who is it for? Is it truly something we love? Or is it truly something someone needs to fulfill our promise of making the wardrobe for the modern global citizen? If it doesn't fit into her or his lifestyle, who is it for? What is it for? And if it's unidentified, this gray area, then maybe we put it aside and not push forward for it. So then that leaves the idea of like, we continue to create things that make our hearts flutter, the aspiration, and then we continue to deliver the promise of foundation. So even in that kind of thinking from the get-go, you eliminate the middle waste of the un, like, mm, not resolved yet. And you keep it aside. Don't throw it away. You just keep it aside, stew on it, and then it'll show up. It'll manifest or it'll tell you what it needs to be. So in that idea of just starting, kickstarting everything too, it's already editing and being a bit more responsible. And from there, you know, me being more vocal about trying to create from a more uh, sustainable space and not compromising the beautiful product or the value that we promise, it really influences my teams that are next to me from sourcing to production to messaging to communications to look for more opportunities and create more processes, find more people who are aligned in this message. And eventually you've actually converted from within and you've, you're blossoming out. And that's all shared energy via a group of people who believe in the same thing. And it's really important because if you can galvanize that and if you can focus and keep your eye on that, it brings in other people that are outside to be part of your tribe, to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. I'm voting for that. Like when I ask you if you want to participate in things with me, blah, 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 we have shared values. So for sure, you, you trust me. You trust that it's in the right direction. And then I'm able to work with you to use your huge powerful platform to also bring in and convert. And this is how we do it. It's not overnight. It's not boom. It's not like my way or the highway. It's about a gentle, gradual process of coming to your own first and then sharing it with the world and then bringing other people along and also having the empathy and the patience to understand that you're figuring it out yourself. Right. It's a lot, huh? It's a it's a lot. <laughs> also a common remark that I I read, you know, when brands are talking about wanting to convert to a more sustainable or environmental way of doing business, they say it's expensive. You know, it's mm. super expensive to find mm-hmm. new vendors to basically like you said edit and change processes that have been existing forever. It, it comes down to that. It's commerce, right? We're in the business of commerce too. And, um, you know, every time I post this progress, I get so many messages like, you know, where are you finding the sustainable suppliers? I can't find them. I have these projects. I want to say for the record, there's no such thing as a sustainable supplier. They have sustainable options. You have to dig. 
even if I could give you a resource, it doesn't match your situation. So then it's not useful. You have to figure out what your situation is. You have to figure out your context, your goal. And within your supply chain, you have to go in and ask for it. It does exist, but you have to do the work. There's no such thing as cut and paste. It doesn't work this way. That actually is more destructive and wasteful. I can tell you this story, but it won't all apply to you. You just take parts of it. That's all we can all do. Just take parts and then recreate and repair your own story. You know what I mean? Or sub it out or convert your own story. The goal is to, to walk towards a certain direction. But however we get there, you have to allow for it to be different. It's not a direct line. Is the end goal for Philip Lim to be fully at some point as close to sustainable as possible? Is that what your goal is? My goal is to find our sustainable balance. And it's quite abstract. It's somewhere along the lines of we continue to create what we desire. We continue to deliver with value, but we do it in a way that's more responsible. That's my goal in all aspects of the business. It is very difficult. It is very expensive. You lose at first. <laughs> you struggle and then you're like in doubt and you're like, how can we afford this when no one else votes for it? Because at the end of the day, it's really commerce. It's discouraging, but we don't know another way of existing and doing what we love. So in the end, we have to believe there is some sort of solution for this balance. So do you feel that we are moving in the right direction? Do you feel like at some point this will become more affordable where, you know, finding a vendor or finding a more sustainable process is not going to be super yeah. expensive yeah. or hard to, to find? Do you think we're going yeah. in that direction? I think we're going in the direction. I think all conversations, everywhere you turn, you can't avoid it now which is great. It's in the air and then it reminds you. What I fear is this. One of the big things about being sustainable is to not overproduce. Greed, basically. I think everyone has great intentions to create because we as human beings, we have to create. It's part of just who we are. It advances society. It's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? Nature creates, we create. But my fear is when you overcreate sustainable products, then it just erases the whole idea of being sustainable. That's why it's quite confusing because it's the marketing of what is sustainable. It pushes people to, to buy more, do more, create more, market more. The product itself could be very good, but when there's too much of it, is it still? You know what I mean? It's just gluttonous. It just destroys the mission, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, from what I hear, and also I think we are on the same wavelength regarding this, is that, again, you know, with when we talk about sustainability, environmentalism, responsibility, more mindfulness and fashion, we can't address, you know, the big bad wolf in the room mm. is, I mean, you mentioned greed, aka capitalism, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And fashion now more than ever is a commodity, yeah. right? It's a global commodity, whether it's an H&M of the world or an LVMH product, it's all run on a capitalist principle, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is, you know, more money, more money, more money. Yeah. And 
then when a system, when the core of an industry is built on that, and someone can argue, oh no, it's creativity, it's this and that. But you know, for those of us who work in the industry, mm. we know that creativity, although it's great, is a very small element mm. of fashion. Mm. I think we just, there needs to be an overhaul of yeah. the whole fashion universe, yeah. of the ecosystem, right? A completely rebranding of how we look at the industry. Yeah. I call it as like a fashion needs a spiritual reboot. Right? I love that, by the yeah. way. I remember reading that somewhere. <laughs> that was in the article. Yeah. That's exactly what it, yeah. that's exactly, what do you mean by that? I understand, but explain yeah. that. Everyone that participates that's in the industry, the ethos, the ecosystem of fashion, you cannot rely on someone telling you what to do. You cannot rely on people giving you guidelines. You cannot rely on someone telling you right or wrong. You've got to take it back down to your own instincts. Is this right or wrong? You know what I mean? At the end of the day, that's spirituality, no? It's not like claiming to a religion, claiming to rules, claiming to... um making everything about the bottom line. It's about what is feels right and what feels wrong. And for me, going back to greed, it's not natural when things become too big. You know, what you consume should not be like that. What you eat should not be like that. How much you have should not be like that because you don't have enough time to enjoy any of it all. You know what I mean? So it comes back to kind of self-regulating yourself first and how you work on yourself. And then you're put into this ecosystem you become a beacon of what is balanced, what is good. And then you are able to participate this way. You know, it's like putting good energy into something, you know? And I think that going back to capitalism too, I love capitalism. It's opportunity. But I think what, what happened was, is we've lost the human form of it. We lost the human value of it. Because the idea of being able to opportunize an idea and make it so that everyone enjoys it, is able to enjoy it and make a living off it. I love. But what happens is when we forget the human cost of it, um, when we do it where it's like only a few win and everyone else loses, you know, that's not, to me, that's not capitalism. That's just greed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just a lot to chew on mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's on a the lot. planet. It's, it's a huge, uh, you can feel it. It's all in the air, this transition. And it's a really exciting time. But at the same time, you have to get in there as an individual, as a human being, as part of this ecosystem, as part of this world, and determine how you fit in it. Mm. You know, what is your part in it? You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to have a clear answer even. But walk towards the path that you feel is the least of the evils. Mm. Let's talk about, you're calling it a house party mm. <laughs> on your show day. So you are going to do an open house on the date that your show mm -hmm. was supposed to mm -hmm. originally be, which is February 10th, 10th 2020. Yeah. Tell me, how did this idea come to you? And what are you excited about? Yeah. What are you kind of scared about? Yeah. Even this conversation, Vanessa, it's like, it illustrates how everything happens for a reason because we didn't plan this and you and it wasn't planned that you received a link to that interview and that interview was Literally never planned yesterday. either. Yeah. And that interview was never planned either. It was really Bridget Foley asking me to participate in another event and 
I was available and these are the reasons why. So going back to this conversation about this house party thing, it goes back to the desire to connect and have dialogue. It goes back to a place of where we began. And it's not about turning back the time and it's not about recreating a fantasy that is better for novels and movies. It's really about if I am trying to reach out to you, what's the best way? Call you up and let's have a coffee. Let's meet up. Not through just messaging and, and marketing and yeah, 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 you know, hashtag, whatever. You know what I mean? It's about like, hey, come over, let's have dinner. True like, connection. True connection. So in the idea of taking a pause moment from show, we didn't want to go into another event. So we're like, okay, what would be public facing that is our home away from home? And it would be our store. And it's open to the public. What we're going to do is, okay, so how do we do this? We activate community that we we admire, aspire to be, or we work with, we collaborate with. I'm still working with um, uh, all my show collaborators, Sebastian Perrin for music, Nancy Rhodes, styling, the Secret Gallery, Daniel Ampetto for uh, casting, you know, just all the community is still there. We're working in a different way just to prepare the store as an open house, basically. It is from one to eight, one to eight because people work. The normal person works, right. not people right. in like... Not, not like the creatives who are at a coffee shop at 2.30 yeah, yeah. p.m. on a Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, 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 were like, we were like 11 to 6. We're like, but, no, but actually, I'm working still. I can't make it, you know what I mean? So let's, let's make it a little bit later. There's no RS, RSVPs. It's a chance where, you know, you come, I'll be there. Everyone from my teams will be there because what's important is you connect to the people behind the brand, behind the message, not just the product. It's not a selling event. I mean, it's like not, it's not like a gimmicky thing. You no. know, you, it's not like you fabricated this idea in the conference room and yeah. you're like, this is our model for 2020. Yeah, we're going to, we're going to be real. Yeah. Right? No, no. This is real based <laughs> off necessity. This is real based off of going back to a place where how would you interact with each other if it was in person? How would you invite someone over to a party you're having? Who would it be? You know what I mean? If we're saying, you know, we want to exist outside the bubble more, it would be kind of just people. It wouldn't be an exclusive set of people. It wouldn't be you have to have a secret code or invitation to a secret party, you know, on a, In secret, a secret location. location. Literally, it's 48 Great Jones Street. Everyone knows where it is. Across the street for El Buco Alamantari, Caddy Corner from Bari Hotel. I'm going to be there. My incredible team's going to be there. They're going to have their on their Sunday's best. You talk to them. You want to know anything. You talk, you, you, you'll see the clothes there. Have come by, have a beer, have a taco and just chill. Leave when you want. I don't know. It takes the edge off of everything. For me personally, it, it's going to come back to a space where I can have a dialogue again versus just like having sound bites and worrying about is it nine minutes or 10 minutes? You know what I mean? Am I pissing people off by holding them from attending the next show because it's 30 seconds longer or we couldn't get it prepared in time? These are the things that we go through like right before the show. And it's kind of nice as the sun um, streams into this room that you kind of just, we've got eight hours with each other. 
Let's talk. So instead of <laughs> instead of eight minutes, it's eight, it's hours. eight hours. Eight hours of just when like, I. I mean, when I read this article, I was like, first of all, this is going to be great. This is so you. You uh, know, this is so Philip because your hospitality is next level. Whenever we come into you know your home here, and I just felt like. The idea of having this house party to show your fall winter uh, 2020 collection versus doing a traditional runway is so reflective. I mean, I feel, you know, as someone who follows you intensely on Instagram and, and all your stories, this is exactly what you should be doing right now. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we talk privately and also like on this podcast mm-hmm. before about ideas of inclusivity mm-hmm. and like, you know. Yeah bringing people into the fold. And I can't think of anything more exclusive, right, than a runway show. You need an invite. You need you to look really good. You know, like there's literally people, there's bouncers at the door being like, who are you? Do you have an invitation? To moving the the idea of a runway to, you know what? Actually, I'm just going to open my store. Mm. We're going to still have... All the clothes, the clothes are going to be the same like level. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're going to have the amazing music. Mm-hmm. The styling's going to be on point. Mm-hmm. Like the set design is going to be sick. Except this time, we're opening it up to everybody. I felt like, wow, Philip is literally walking the walk here, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. so many people are like, you know, inclusivity. We want to include everybody. We want to, I mean, like sometimes I even get invites to shows and I feel like I'm locked out sitting yeah. front row. You yeah. know, I feel like I'm not a part of it. And I think in fashion, right? A lot of the time we just focus on the super elitist aspect mm-hmm. of it, you know, because it's super pretty, right? It's like beautiful people and beautiful clothes. But what about, your customers, right? Yeah. The people who are actually buying yeah. your things, mm. not, you know, like the influencers yeah. or the celebrities who are your gifting yeah. whole outfits to. And I think, I mean, having this, this open house, having people who are loyal customers of yours. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was telling Amy, my assistant, I was like, if 23 year old Vanessa, knew that Philip Lim was having an open house where I could see his runway collection, where there was a small chance that I would meet him, I would probably pee my pants, you know, (laughs) like, and just like the fact that you have so many young fans and, and people who follow you, who are in the industry, you know, and to meet you in person, I think, again, it goes back. I mean, people are like, well, how's that linked to sustainability or responsibility? I mean, it's, it's, it is, it's like a whole system. It's like you're meeting someone who's walking the walk, right? It's just not like I'm wearing a sustainable, you know, sweatshirt made out of pop cans or whatever, you know, you're meeting someone and you're, you know, someone who is, who's doing yeah. Right by what they believe in. Yeah. I really respect you for that, mm. and I think it's so courageous. You know what you're doing. Oh my god, you're giving me chills. <laughs> um, I feel emotional when you respond this way. When news hit yesterday that uh, you know the interview um, was made public, I remember texting my friend Ruba, and um, I was just in tears. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get ready to go to work. I was very late for my first meeting because I. I it was like the faucets, the faucet, it was someone left it on. And um, it was very emotional because it was exposing fear. It was exposing fear, my personal fears, but also my fabricated fears for my company. I can speak for myself. You ask me something, I'll give you my opinion. 
But it's very difficult when I also represent a tribe of people and having to make decisions that I feel might be good for them, but not everyone having identical context. You know what I mean? I remember going to my first meeting yesterday after just like the faucet being left on. Yeah, left on. It was the meeting to kick off this open house day because, you know, we still have to plan for it to make sure that everything is accounted for. So people who come in, they feel like they're considered, there's food for them to eat. It's to not going to be like a janky house party <laughs> at your cousin's. Okay. No, I mean, it, it's super <laughs> it's like, low key, but at the it's same like time. It's like Philip Lim style house party. <laughs> you're a guest to my show, you know, a no show show. And I sat there and I kind of froze and, you know, and the first thing was like tears were coming down and I was like, I want to thank you guys, like uh, everyone in the room. And like, I want to thank you for encouraging me to take these steps because these steps are not about just me. They represent you too. And I never, ever, ever want to speak out of place and misrepresent anybody. So it comes back to, it's been such a eye-opening experience because we've also received messages of like, my God, this is what I've been thinking. Thank you for saying something because it is allowing me to just take a pause and exhale because I don't know what's happening to, you know, from just friends and, and people in the industry. It illustrates the idea that even if you don't know what you're doing and you really take a moment to really think about the direction and the path that you want to take the step in, there's a lot of people there waiting to embrace you. You have to have, you just have to figure out how to believe in yourself and take the step, especially if you know the step is just full of the best intentions, um, the right intentions. I'm really excited actually to see 2020, you know, mm. obviously I'm really excited. I already have my outfit planned. <laughs> I already have that planned, but I'm, I'm so excited to see what 2020 brings for you. Yeah. and. One other thing, and you you mentioned it kind of roundaboutly, when people become more mindful, Mm -hmm. you know, any kind of iteration of mindfulness and fashion, my insecurity is like, bitch, you got you got soft. Yeah. You know, right? That's kind (laughs) of the vibe that I'm getting from you about the insecurity of like announcing that, you know, we're not gonna do a runway show this season. You know, we're actually gonna go, we're gonna scale it down to something more in-house, literally. Mm -hmm. So how how are we going to dismantle that idea of, oh, you know, you're being more mindful or you're being healthier? Like, like I go to fashion parties and, yeah. and people like, they're like, oh, you don't drink? I'm like, no, I don't drink. And they're, and they think like, oh, you know, like you're not interested, you know, you're not really yeah. one of us. Yeah, but yeah. I'm like, actually, I, I kind yeah. of am, you yeah. know, it doesn't take away from, you know, my taste. It doesn't yeah. take no. away from me belonging here. Yeah, like as a fashion brand, you know, a lot of fashion brands are like, no, we don't, we don't want to lose our edge. You know, we don't want to yeah. be granola. How are you dealing with that? Like in your mind, as you move your company forward and as you're re-educating your customer that like sustainable environmentalism, responsibly made products are actually even more luxurious. The only way I know how, which is to walk the talk and to be there to have dialogue instead of being behind the screen or the scene and just like, like having an, a monologue. Like an you know Oz I mean? uh-huh. or something. It, of course, you can't be everywhere at every single time, but I'm making it more of a point for myself to 
show up and speak about it, appear on panels, not just think about it, kind of share the journey, share the story, even knowing you and、um, getting to know you better too. I see you, your doubts of like, okay, if I starting this even this podcast too, it was like if I do these podcasts and I have to take away time and opportunity from other things that you know afford me、uh, a way of living. But you, I, I'm so proud of you that you figure out a way where you do the things you want to do, the things you believe in still, while you're creating space and time to tell your truth. And to pursue your passion, because you cannot exist in someone else's narrative forever. It's not you. It doesn't belong to you. And then what I see with you is, you know, when I first met you, I'm like, this woman is like, like the health dictionary. You know what I mean? Like the skin is flawless, and she's telling me all these things, the supplements. I'm like, damn, girl. That should be my new Instagram <laughs> account because you know I actually had I was having lunch with a friend yesterday, and she was telling me that she had food poisoning or whatnot. She's like, yeah, you know, like my digestion has been really bad, and I'm like, oh, you know, you should take charcoal pills for that. And I just happened to have charcoal pills in my bag. And she was like, you literally are my pharmacist. You, I remember you、uh, when we first met. You were in a white dress, cotton dress, and you were carrying a basket. And in that basket was like all these supplements, vitamins, blah blah blah. It was like in the backyard of Wen's house. And I was like, this woman, you know what I mean? What, what is she? You know what I mean? Or who? Where is she coming from? And like, is that's like. Very different. And then fast forward to this time period, I see that you are shaking things for yourself up in a way where I could see growth. I could feel growth. It doesn't feel perfect, but it feels. It looks so beautiful.、It、feels so purposeful and meaningful. I love speaking with you because it finally feels like purposeful dialogue instead of you know an opportunity. It's really like our desire to share. It's quite incredible, and it goes back to how we play our parts to save the world. I don't know what that answer is. I just think that you got to do your best to find it in yourself to be the soldier or part of the army that is in the path of trying to figure out solutions for problems that we all created. Well. I'm happy to walk by your side <laughs> on this wonderful journey, and again, I'm really looking forward to seeing everything that you do in 2020 with the company and continue to educate all of us on, you know, the realness of taking a traditionally built fashion model to a new one. You know, hopefully,、mm. the one of the future、yeah. that more of us will have,、yeah. and. I think it's incredible. You know, you started this brand originally because I mean, it's 15 years, right? It's coming up 15 years. September will be our 15th year anniversary, which is insane. Insane,、um, but at the same time, it's really like a, it's a blink of an eye. It's a blink of an eye, and you know,、uh, we're gearing up for that. But in the meantime, we still have to navigate how to get there properly. I don't know. There's no promises. There's no guarantees. All we have to believe in is like clarify our vision more, clarify our message more, find your people, attract the people that you you imagine you would like to be like or become friends with. And I think that it's gonna be ugly for a while. Actually, I know it's gonna be ugly for a while. But don't feel discouraged and don't feel like you have to have the answer. Just walk in the direction. I'm really excited. <laughs> 
I'm going to be here during the ugly parts, the good parts. You know, someone told me on the plane when I was just coming back here to New York, she was like, you know what 2020 represents, right? Mm. And she was like, it's 2020 vision year. And it's interesting that vision, you know, was was a word you dropped so many times. And I think you started your company originally because you just wanted to make beautiful clothes. And now, I mean, I feel like you have even, you know, you materialized a more concrete vision for yourself mm. that's beyond the clothes. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so excited it, for it's that. It's incredible that you just said that because, you know, our our friend Kim Bui, she was there on our first meeting too, that night too, was there too. She sent me a text last night, a WhatsApp text, because she read the articles. And, you know, Kim is like my, my little sister, you know, she's like a family in my heart and stuff like that. And she's like, when you first started 3-1 Philip Lim, I was right by your side and we worked so closely and the mission was always to create beautiful clothes for people. I'm so proud of you that now the mission is to celebrate those people with clothes. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. That's, that's so beautiful. It, it clarified for me with you saying this and her sending that message. Yeah, to celebrate the people that we made the clothes for. Because ultimately, that's why we all shop at Philip Lim, right? <laughs> Oh, gosh. So, I hope so. <laughs> yes. I, I just, I feel like we can talk forever, but I don't want to make you late for another meeting. Yeah. I just want to say thank you so much again for your candor and for your generosity, you know, in promoting the first season, first episode with us. And I know all the listeners, all of your followers, all of my followers are going to be so excited to see 2020 vision, you know, this, this new journey for you and your company. And I will be there on February 10th. 10th, Yes. What's the street again? It's 48 Great Jones. Mm -hmm. 48 Great Jones. I will be there supporting. Thank you. And all of you should stop by and try to get a glimpse of Philip. Try to chat. Literally, I'm going to be there for eight hours. (laughs) And so no pressure, no RSVPs. Come say hi and introduce yourself, please. I would love to meet you. I would love to just share stories because in hindsight, that's when our next steps happen, you Mm -hmm. know, by sharing of our stories. All right. So that was us sharing your story today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vanessa. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. So that was my episode with Philip. Didn't I tell you that episode was going to be so great? I mean, I literally will have to listen to this episode several more times to just digest everything. You know, one thing that I took away from the conversation immediately afterwards was like, how amazing was Philip to be so vulnerable, you know, about where he sat with not doing a show this year and trekking into new territory that he and his company and his employees have never been before. I think, you know, a lot of us who idolize these famous designers or anyone, you know, who's famous and has that cultural capital, who has that clout, that we always think, wow, these people have it all together. You know exactly what you need to do. You're super confident. But having this conversation with Philip reminded me that we're all just human and we're all just trying to do our best and figuring out what that means for us and to be good to ourselves when we're trying to figure that out. So I hope that 
conversation really resonated with you. Maybe just to be a little easier on yourself sometimes when you don't have it all figured out because it will come to you. Now, if you're in New York City and you're going to be here on February the 10th, you have to stop by Philip's house party or his studio day. It's going to be all day on 48 Great Jones Street from 1 to 8 p.m. The clothes will be there, the brand new collection. There will be a DJ, there will be tacos, there will be drinks. And I mean, most importantly, Philip Lim is going to be there. Can you imagine meeting Philip in person after you heard this podcast? I mean, he's even better. He's even better in person. And because we are on a brand new season, make sure you shout us out on Instagram. Do it in stories because I feel that's how I find so many new podcasts. Do it that way. Let Philip know that you heard him on Vanessa Wants to Know. Message me. Tell me your thoughts. And I will be sure to answer. So this was my conversation. I think this was a great way to start season two. And until the next episode, I'm signing off, Vanessa, as your humble host of Vanessa Wants to Know.